Welcome to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman, the podcast dedicated to helping you build the business of your dreams and live the life you always hoped for, with valuable and fun tips and info to make your life easier and more fun. And now, here's your host, a man who sprinkles metal shavings on his breakfast cereal just for fun, Jason Silverman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. I'm your host, Jason Silverman, and I'm thrilled to share some time with you once again today. As you know, I am always on the hunt for interesting as well as super smart Real Deal guests, and i got to tell you, today's show is a winner. I want to introduce my listeners to somebody who's truly been there and done that, and I'm really excited to pick her brain for your benefit today. Now, for the folks who I work with in any of my coaching programs, my mastermind group, or through Powerful Words Character Development or All-Star Cheer Sites, you know how much I focus on the importance of having the right mindset and looking at things through the right lenses, right? Well, this show is going to help us to do just that. So today it's going to be my honor and privilege to share an amazing resource with you. You're going to love today's guest. She's got a ton of valuable info about what I consider to be a super hot topic to help you succeed as well as a fun way to deliver it. So I want you to strap yourself in. Today's show is going to be awesome. As I'm sure you already know, I'm committed to helping business owners just like you to become more successful, enjoy your career more, and in general, make your life significantly more fun. Because as we know, or as far as I know, um, we only get one chance in this merry-go-round, and we want to make sure it's one hell of a ride. So, alrighty, boys and girls, it is now that time. I want you to stop surfing Facebook, put away your phone, your tablet, or anything else that might possibly distract you from today's show. You're about to get some great and immediately implementable information, and I don't want you to miss even a second. So, before we officially get going, let me give you a little bit of background about our guest today. Jessica Groupman is an industry analyst with the Altimeter Group, uh, where she conducts research on disruptive technologies and specializes in the Internet of Things. Her current focus is the application of sensors on consumer-facing businesses with an emphasis on customer experience, the ethical use of data, privacy, contextual marketing, automated service, and wearables. She's a regular contributor to Wearable World News and other third-party blogs. She's also a contributing member of the FC Business Intelligence's IoT Nexus Advisory Board. Jessica is featured on Analytica's Top 100 Influencers in the Internet of Things. Very, very cool. Jessica, welcome to The Real Deal. We're thrilled to have you. Thank you so much, Jason. I'm glad to be here. Oh, fabulous, fabulous. Hey, before we get started, for those who haven't had the opportunity and pleasure of meeting you or hearing you speak, do me a favor. Take a second. Share your story with our listeners. You know, What are you passionate about? What makes you stick? What makes you tick? Who is Jessica Grootman? <laughs> well, that's a great question. Um, I would say at the kind of most basic level, I have always been doing research. It's definitely something I'm, I'm a huge research nerd. Um, I started actually, um, my deeper background in research was in anthropology, specifically paleoanthropology and archaeology, believe it or not. So wow. I always think it's, it's quite ironic that <laughs> my research career kind of began in ancient prehistory, uh, particularly with the use of stone tools and, and you know prehistoric technology. And now I'm looking at very futuristic kind of emerging technology. Um, and I've been sort of covering the gamut uh, ever since then. But, you know, that also sort of speaks to 
kind of who I am and, and what interests me. There's a lot of tech out there that, I mean, personally, I find quite boring. Um, and, and so my approach to it is really something that is more, you know, less of sort of the infrastructural heavy IT component and more of, well, as you mentioned, the customer experience or really just human experience. How do people actually interface and, you know, interact with these technologies? Um, so that's really the approach of Altimeter is sort of the human at the center of this and the approach of how I look at um, the Internet of Things is what does this look and feel like and what does this mean? What are the implications for us as people um, from, from an anthropological and sociological standpoint, much more so than, you know, like I said, simply the sort of IT and infrastructural standpoint? Very cool. Very, very cool. Well, let's let's break it down a little bit if you would. You know, starting, I guess, at the beginning because it's a logical place to start. So. What actually is the Internet of Things? <laughs> Another great question. You would think that this would be uh, very easily definable, and you would think as someone who looks at the space um, that I would have a, a, a nice little cookie-cutter definition. And I do, but I think it's important to understand that no one really knows in the larger sense, even those in the industry. And it's also important to understand that the Internet of Things is kind of a terrible term. It's, it's basically like saying connectivity of stuff. And so, you know, to answer the question, it is truly digital, the digitalization of anything in the world, of the physical world. What does that mean? It means that when you add a sensor to something, when you add an embedded sensor or chip to something, you add a data streak to it. And now this, this absolutely transcends sort of the laptop and desktop world as we know it. And, you know, you can, you can slap a sensor onto anything. We know some of the mainstream examples are, you know, connected cars or maybe wearables. Your Fitbit, for example, mobile devices have somewhere between seven and 16 sensors in them. Basically anything. Um, you know, there are farmers connecting their entire crops to, to sensors to be able to monitor them. So, in a nutshell, it is the digitalization of the physical world, but kind of zooming out a little bit, it's the connectivity or a platform for connecting all of these different things together um, into various systems. So whether it's my Fitbit or all people's Fitbits, um, health, you know, biometric data, the idea is that while there are kind of nodes to this Internet of Things, um, the network itself and the connectivity between all of these entities um, is really kind of the larger what people mean when they say the Internet of Things. That's actually really cool. I, you know, I never even thought of that as as a way to look through it, but that's actually pretty cool. So, you know, from a business owner's perspective, you know, how are we supposed to think about the Internet of Things? I mean, obviously, we're going to look at it different than a standard consumer would. Sure, sure. I mean, certainly it depends on the business. Um, my specialization is in consumer side, so as in companies that are, you know, dealing with end users, dealing with people more so than they're dealing with other businesses. Um, and so from that standpoint, I, I conducted some research on, again, taking a sort of technology agnostic approach to this. How can companies actually use sensors um, to engage end users, to engage people like you and I? Um, and you know, again, this can manifest in about a thousand different ways, but I kind of boiled up five big ways or use cases, and we see them as reward. So, for example, I walk by a pair of high heels, I'm, because of the sensor in my phone, I'm sent a coupon for those specific high heels. So it's just a very simple example of reward. Um, another use case we see is for information and decision making. So let's say I'm in Home Depot and I'm standing in front of the lawnmowers, and it knows that, you know, there I am, there's my mobile device, there's the lawnmowers that say I was, you know, surfing for on the web at home, um, and it'll send me a comparison guide, for example. 
Facilitation is another big use case, and this is the idea of really enabling people to do things. Some of the examples that we might hear about in the news, for example, you know, I can shut my garage door remotely or I can water the plants. The idea here is, you know, using my mobile device, I can, I can actually get, I can get things done. Um, again, a, a business sort of enabling someone to actually do something, not just access information, but to, but to accomplish a task. Um, another use case that we see is around service, and this is the idea of really kind of using location data or connected product data or any sort of other data stream um, from a sensor to deliver a service, to deliver a support technician, to deliver an upsell. You know, say I'm walking through Staples, it knows I'm running low on ink. You know, it could send me a message and say we can have the right make and model of, of you know, ink cartridge ready for you at the checkout, or we can ship it to your home. Again, kind of preemptively um, servicing or providing a customer support um, experience for the customer. And then the final use case that we see is really around innovation, and that's using all of this sensor data to much more rapidly advance, you know, products and services, how people interact with them, so sort of... Um, really accelerating what we might think of as the old market research days of focus groups and surveys to a much more automated, you know, we can see by the way that you use your mobile device what you're actually using and what features you're not using. And just through that simple sort of, you know, unsolicited or automated data collection, you know, make tweaks to the product as a result. So those are kind of the five big use cases, but again, they can they can really manifest in really infinite different ways. Well, I mean, driving it down to the next logical step then, um, how would an actual consumer or a person think about this? Well, I think, I mean, today, because we're so early in this, a lot of people think about, to the extent that they even know what the Internet of Things is, which is, which is quite low. In fact, the Acuity Group ran a survey on this a few months ago and found that 87% of consumers have no idea what the Internet of Things is. <laughs> so I think that's a really key point. Um, to remember when we talk about, you know, how consumers should, should perceive this is that at, at least today, most people don't think of this as this kind of all-encompassing Internet of Things umbrella term. <laughs> they think that as, you know, I have a Fitbit or I've heard of automated driving cars, you know, or maybe I have heard of a connected coffee maker. So they think of it in, in more of a kind of location or maybe, you know, vertical, um, from a vertical standpoint. But in terms of how to think about it, I think it, it really is less about the individual technologies. And for a consumer to understand that, you know, just because I have a Fitbit um, means that I'm part of the Internet of Things, it, it's really, it goes back to that system. And, you know, perhaps we'll get into this a little bit later, but to, to understand this as a consumer, um, I think at a, at a deeper level, is to understand that while I might have one technology, the data flow between all technologies um, is really how these services are driven. And so, again, if my Fitbit is emitting data about me, if, if, it, if that exists sort of on the Fitbit platform, that's one thing, but what if it's, you know, transferred to my insurance company? Or what if, you know, my biometric data is used in my car? At that point is when consumers, I mean, there's a big gap in terms of kind of understanding and knowledge, and that, I think, is, is fundamentally how consumers need to, to, to begin looking at this, is that it's not about the technology. It's about how the data that this technology emits is, is used and is being used to inform services and how companies are engaging with them. That actually makes a whole lot of sense. So, I mean, from can, we, can you boil down a couple more examples just so that, I mean, I, I want to actually really selfishly be able to solidify this in my own understanding? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. There are many. Um, and and I, I'll try to kind of cover a gamut of examples of some of the simple ones like I've talked about, such as the Fitbit. You know, many people have heard of the Nest thermostat where, you know, it learns the, be- the patterns and behaviors of my home and the heating and cooling. Um, I can turn it off and on remotely. It connects to the security system, for example, um, fitness tracking, like I mentioned. Something as simple as, you know, using my mobile app to feed the dog through a connected dog feeder. These are great examples of just sort of connected object, um, Internet of Things examples. Um, but it also can exist um, at, at sort of this ecosystem level, as I mentioned. I think one of the best examples that some people may have heard of is um, Disney's Magic Band. And this is basically a wearable that Disney has invested quite a bit of money into completely outfitting their theme parks to accommodate this wearable. So when I strap on the Magic Band, it's now my, you know, basically my identity portal. I have my credit card information, all of my preferences, you know, what restaurants I want to go to, what rides I ride, how I move through the park, all of these things that, well, they might sound a little bit creepy, but Disney is really using to improve the park experience. So where do I want to go for dinner? Well, we know that you like this, so, you know, it'll send you a suggestion over here. They're also using this for lots of, you know, sort of optimization traffic flow to improve the experience of the park, to, you know, decrease lines, to increase staffing as needed, things like that. So that one, the Disney's Magic Band is a good example of, you know, something that is a tweak to my experience as a consumer. I just put on, you know, a, a wristband, basically, um, but but fundamentally changes how Disney is interacting with me, what they're learning, how able they're, they're able to, or how quickly they're able to optimize that experience. Um, this can also exist, Internet of Things, at kind of the municipal level. I heard of a great example recently um, for, called Cycle Philly, or, uh, which is which um, Philadelphia asked people, you know, bike riders in the city to, you know, turn on their mobile apps and their location sensors, basically on their on their mobile phones, to, you know, while they ride their bikes. And so they're they're basically doing this to inform where and how they are going to, you know, build out more bike trails. So those are a couple of examples, um, and I mentioned the agricultural one before. There are a lot, you know, this, again, kind of covers every domain, whether it's our bodies, our public transportation, our private transportation, our homes, marketplaces, um, you know, institutions such as a museum or, or sporting, uh, you know, sports stadium or something. In any of these environments, um, sensors can exist. And so I wanted to kind of give a few examples kind of at the object level, at kind of that bigger environment level, at the municipal level, um, indoors, outdoors, anywhere at all. <laughs> like I said, we can we can put a sensor. So I hope that that helps clarify. It really does. It really, really does. I want to talk about because um, you kind of you kind of started on down this road. So um, you know, it definitely feels a little Big Brotherish. Um, you know, what what kind of risks are there? I mean. I know there are a lot of folks now worried about, oh, what about my privacy with all the recent hacking that's happened? Um, what are some of the risks that, that I guess we need to be aware of? Yeah, definitely. There are many. Um, you know, I always say that privacy is the big old elephant in the room when we talk about the Internet of Things, particularly from a consumer standpoint. Um, you know, in business to business applications, for example, if I'm a farmer monitoring a crop of plants, you know, privacy may or may not be that big of a concern. But something like Disney and Magic Band um, or, you know, a retail environment like with the example I gave with Home Depot or any other retailer for that for that matter, the potential for me to feel creeped out um, goes much higher <laughs> when you're messaging me on a mobile device, you know, um, you know, 
maybe in a way that I didn't necessarily remember opting into, even if I did opt into, you know, five years ago when I signed up for the service. Um, so that potential for friction, that potential for creep really goes um, out the roof. Now, I just published some research squarely on this topic. Um, it was based on a survey of 2,000 Americans. It was called um, Consumer Perceptions of Privacy in the Internet of Things. And, you know, one of the biggest findings of this research, this is probably not a big surprise, is that there is a massive gap in understanding between, you know, how we think our data is used, should be used, um, sold, not sold, versus what the industry is actually doing, um, and, and really the momentum in the movement of the industry. And from this standpoint, you know, one of the most basic steps that companies can do is is really talk about it and begin communicating about it. And you know, one of the things that I think is is, is really a big opportunity, but something that we don't see a lot of companies doing today. Um, is articulating really the value. If you give us this data, here's what you get in return. We don't see that. That's not typically part of the registration process, you know, a new, if I buy something new. It's, it's kind of left to ascertaining it over time. Um, so I think there's a huge opportunity for companies to communicate about this in a way that, you know, just articulates what the point is, what, what the accountability is, what companies can do and are doing to protect um, you know, and secure consumer data, um, what happens in the, in the event of a breach or some other issue or, or compromise, um, lots of opportunity for growth there to be sure. Um, so privacy is obviously a big risk. Um, more and more companies are beginning to tweak to this because they realize that if they're investing, in the case of Disney, some billion dollars for this, um, if they're investing, you know, it might not be that much, but quite a bit of money into it, um, with that potential of creep also comes the potential of wasted investment, right? Because people are fickle creatures and we're not going to use these things if, well, we feel creeped out by them. Um, and as we know, you know, the ability to opt out on our mobile devices is actually much simpler than it is, you know, clearing cookies and caches and kind of the laptop world. So from a business standpoint, um, it's not just kind of that the creep, you know, sort of warm and fuzzies, uh, violating those warm and fuzzies, but it's also a risk of a wasted investment. Um, and, by the way, all of this is, is really reliant on technology. And so I think one of the big risks is just friction that comes with technology. We all, <laughs> we all know the pain of not being able to connect to the Internet or, you know, the thing freezing or not working or, you know, technology is fraught with issue and so one of the big risks is just kind of a worse user experience um, than than perhaps we're accustomed to. Totally makes sense. Really, really does. You know, is it, do you feel like, you know, with the 87% of people who don't even know what the hell this is, <laughs> do you feel like now is the time um, that business owners can actually start talking about the Internet of Things with their with their clients? Perhaps. I mean, you know, I would say yes insofar as it's not something to avoid or to hide. Um, and I would also say that I think one of the ways for businesses and consumers to look at the impact or the implication of IoT at really the broadest level is to see it through this, you know, call it a metaphor or just call it a word, of visibility. That's what this is about. This is about being able to see into processes, people's behavior, my own behavior, how many steps did I walk today, for example. It's really the idea of just making things more visible, more clear. And with that information, I might take an action, I might change a product, I might you know, message something, I might send an ad or a, or a discount or something like that. But fundamentally, this is about driving visibility. 
Um, and so I think from, again, a consumer and a business standpoint, just kind of understanding what the opportunities are and also the risks, as we've talked about, of this visibility, of this kind of um, information that we can now get through sensors or, or aggregating sensor data with other data sets um, to drive decision-making, again, at the business level and at the consumer level. Um, but I also think that this is about you know, sort of taking it in stride. It's easy to feel overwhelmed with all of this stuff. Again, the Internet of Things as a, as a name is not accessible. It doesn't really mean anything. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, really this is about kind of understanding it at a conceptual level. And, you know, as a business owner, particularly a small business owner, it may or may not be appropriate to use this. You may or may not be already doing it. In fact, if you have a mobile app, you're very likely already using some sensors in some ways. So I think a lot of times it's really just about understanding what it is in the first place at the most broad level, and also what am I already doing? Um, you know, like I said, if there is any location-based element to the service that you're offering or the mobile experience that you're offering as a business, you're already doing this, <laughs> and you're already collecting data, you know, related to this. So starting very small is really the best advice that I can give, um, and particularly for, for smaller businesses. Sounds fair. Sounds fair. It is now time for our resource of the week. So, Jessica, tell me this. How can my listeners find out more about you and what you do to actually help make the world a better place? <laughs> well, you can you can certainly find me on the interwebs. Um, my blog is jessgroupman.com. That's G-R-O-O-P-M-A-N. Um, you can find me at Altimeter Group, which is which is my company. Um, we're based in San Francisco at altimetergroup.com. A-L-T-I-M-E-T-E-R-G-R-O-U-P.com. You can find me on the Twitter at at Desgroupman. Um, a simple Google search shouldn't be too hard, and and definitely take a look at the at the new research. Um, it's all out there and available for free. Altimeter publishes all of its reports um, entirely for free under Creative Commons, so no cost. Fabulous. My folks certainly love that. Tell me this: uh, I always love to end my podcast with one what I find to be an interesting and eye-opening question is. If you could give business owners just one solid piece of advice to either help their business or, more importantly, help them to live a better life, what would that piece of advice be? Mm, that's a great question. Um, you know, empathy. I think whether we're talking about technology or we're talking about, you know, things that have nothing to do with technology at all, putting yourself in your customer's shoes is, I think, the best way um, mm. to to build a service, to build a new service, to start a business, um, there, there's often um, a, a big disconnect between kind of the, the big hopes and dreams and the momentum um, and the aspirations of business owners versus what people actually want and need. Sometimes there's a huge gap there. And so really, I think starting you know, with that sort of empathetic, what, what would they want? What are their kind of pressing pain points? Um, I think empathy is, is really the, the very best starting place. Love it. love it. I love it. Jessica, thank you so much for joining me today. I know how busy your schedule is, and uh, I appreciate you sharing some of your time and your wisdom with us. Thanks so much, Jason. I had a great time. Fabulous. Folks, that is all the time we've got today. Thanks for tuning into The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. For more info about private coaching or to see if you'd benefit from one of our mastermind groups, visit me over at www.jasonmsilverman.com. I look forward to helping you achieve the success that you truly deserve. Until next time, let me leave you with this. Get out there and be the real deal. Set a goal, make a plan, work like hell towards it, and achieve the success that's waiting for you. Now's the time. Get out there and make it happen. 
This has been Jason Silverman, and I hope you have a spectacular week. You've been listening to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. To access the great resources mentioned in the show and for information on coaching and mastermind group opportunities with Jason, please visit jasonmsilverman.com.